Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. Behind every strong woman is a tribe of other successful women who have her back. You might recognize this as one of your favorite quotes we feature on our Instagram channel, and we think it's a great way to open this episode on the stigma divorced women and single moms face every day in our society. One of the main reasons we started this podcast was to change the conversation surrounding divorce to be more uplifting and empowering because that's what you deserve. We couldn't think of anyone better suited to shine a light on the injustices that you all deal with than Dina Landon. Dina is such a powerful voice and one that you're definitely going to want to follow. She packs so much wisdom into everything she writes, and she's so generous with the pieces of her life that she shares. In this episode, we talk about some of the crazy things our politicians have said about single moms and the way that we make divorce harder for ourselves and even for each other. The bottom line is, no matter how much you're struggling, you are amazing and your potential has no limits. We want you to embrace your fresh start with confidence and block out the noise from people who think that you're limited by your circumstance. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so reach out to us at podcastworthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com slash podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back with Dina. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more. I couldn't be more excited to be joined by our guest today, Dina Landon, who isn't just one of my favorite writers on our blog. She's really one of my favorite writers. She does such an incredible job of talking about divorce and female empowerment and so many topics in a way that people just connect with so easily. And I'm so excited she's on our podcast. You may know her work from her blog, Femme Feminism. You can also find her on the Washington Post, Good Housekeeping, many other places, and of course on the Worthy blog. I am so excited to welcome Dina Landon. Welcome, Dina. Thank you. This is very exciting to try this out. (laughs) Yeah, we're so, so excited that you're here, and we are so excited to be talking about the stigma of divorce in our society today. You know, this topic is one of the reasons that we started the podcast, and I can't wait to hear all of the insights that you're going to be able to share with our audience. So why don't you just give a little bit of background about yourself and your current situation? Okay. I am a divorced mom. I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was married in 2009, and it's funny because I've talked to other friends who've also been divorced. And the first year was pretty awful, frankly. (laughs) And we all kind of knew by the end of the first year, like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. But we really tried to stick it out and tried to make it work and just put so much effort in, which I think is going to relate 
to our topic later, talking about the stigma about divorce. Right. Like by the by, the one year anniversary, it was like, oh wow, this is not working. But it wasn't until 2014 that I finally got the courage and nerve to call it quits with my ex-husband, and really started identifying a lot of what had gone wrong in our relationship and in our marriage, what came from me, what came from him, etc. Unfortunately, the divorce dragged out a year and nine months. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a brutal process. I mean, I would literally have moments where I'd wake up and think to myself, oh, wow, I'm still married to that man. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Technically, I'm married, but, you know, because it took over six months for him to move out. You know, he just would not leave. So it was this weird limbo of like, we're getting a divorce, but he's still here. Wow. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So the writing for Worthy, it's been really helpful for me to kind of explore what I went through during that time. You know, unfortunately, I had a horrible divorce and a horrible experience. And a lot of people just don't want to talk about that. Or there's kind of like the sweep it under the rug or this idea that, you know, what we see a lot of times in the media with like the whole conscious uncoupling and all of that is, you know, I think a lot goes on behind the scenes, you know, but everyone wants to present a really nice image, even of divorce. But then to a woman going through a really tough and painful time, it can feel so isolating and lonely. Right. Yeah. And and that's, and you feel like you're the only one, you know, it's like, I have to pretend I have to put a happy face on, even though I cried myself to sleep last night and I'm staring at a mountain of legal bills and I have no idea how I'm going to pay this off and all of that. So I kind of, I tend to touch on that a lot in my writing for those women that just really are looking for that support and the knowledge that you're not the first to do this. (laughs) Right. We are going to be featuring some of our favorite articles that Dina has written at worthy.com slash podcast. And I think that you'll see that she really does unpack so much of her story in such a genuine and relatable way. And I actually want to start by reading a little piece from a recent article that you wrote for us that was called Don't Assume I Don't Want to Talk About My Divorce. Do you want to give a little bit of background about that article? Uh, Sure. I had a Facebook friend that I had met through a mutual friend at a knitting group. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we hadn't really interacted a lot. But when I started talking about my divorce, you know, she would leave an occasional like or something. And then I, I, I don't remember the timeline. One or two years later, she just kind of posted, hey, guess what? I'm getting a divorce too. And I reached out and was like, how are you doing? And how was it? And theirs was an amicable divorce and no children, which I think makes it easier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, around the holidays this year, I kind of asked, I was like, hey, divorced friends, you know, what do you wish we were talking about, about this subject? Right. And I talk about her in the article, you know, being at the holidays and everyone trying to pretend like the 10 years of her life with this man never happened or, you know, just like this huge gap in history, like no one knowing how to respond to it. And it is a major life event. And most major life events we discuss, even if they're not great, you right. know, a job loss or the loss of a parent, which I've dealt with and all of that, we will talk about them somewhat. Divorce is sometimes like this elephant in the room. Like right. we're just going to pretend that it never happens. So this is a piece from that article. You wrote, okay. 
Divorce, even if it's for the best, can be lonely and isolating. It's not a failure, but it is a change. We talk about all of life's other changes with our friends and family. I think we need to talk about divorce too. Otherwise, it can start to feel taboo and shameful. The women going through it may feel like they can't share their experiences or ask for help. This isolation is even more damaging if they're coming out of an abusive relationship where their ex slowly cut them off from their loved ones. Women in that situation may need to feel even more included and welcomed into the family with all their life's experiences, both positive and negative. So I think this is so important. I mean, you talk about how we're walking on eggshells about this and and it's not the easiest thing to bring up the same way that other tragedies or hardships or, you know, if somebody dies, you don't always know exactly what to say. Or if somebody's sick, you don't right. know how to talk to them about it. That's, that's a normal thing. But with divorce, I think that what you're saying is that it can come across as kind of judgmental and it can create this kind of taboo feeling. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about what kinds of things we can do to help each other in those situations. How can we prevent that kind of thing from happening? So one way I think you do is by writing, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. I think just it is awkward. Like you said, talking about death is awkward. Talking about job loss is awkward. We're not really well prepared in society to handle the difficult. But take a stab at it. I mean, Mm -hmm. just ask, hey, are you doing okay? Do you want to talk about this? But also give them permission to say, you know, if you're not, and you don't want to talk about it, that's cool. But acknowledge that this thing is happening in their life and open the door. Because there may be some days where it's like, I just spent an hour venting to my best friend last night. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But there may be some days where it's been, you know, three days or something just happened that was really difficult and they just need to process it. You know, my ex-husband just called me a bitch (laughs) Or or something like that is awful as that is, you know, it's like, you may have a lot of emotions, right? It's an emotional time. And in general, I think we need to normalize talking about our emotions and talking about our reactions and finding healthy ways to process them. So if you're looking to help a friend who's going through divorce, just being there, you know, let her talk. Sometimes we don't want advice, just just, just somebody to listen, right? Exactly. I mean, one of the things that I, I was thinking about once you and I had decided we were going to do this episode talking about stigma, I thought about how yeah. this stigma surrounding divorce presents itself in different places. On the one hand, there's at a very high level what's going on in politics and, you know, the policy is that has more to do with like welfare, I guess. And then there's also society and culture so like the things that we see on tv and the different way that like conscious uncoupling like what you were saying all the different ways that people are talking about divorce as part of discourse (laughs) and then there's also this very personal level which is the people in your life or the people who you work with and your friends and your family but there is also I think yourself right I think for a lot of people that's one of the hardest things about divorce. And I have a quote here from Hope Weiss, who is a therapist that specializes in family therapy. And she writes, I think people still put a stigma on divorce themselves. I don't think society puts a stigma as much as it used to. 
I thought that was really interesting. And actually, it reminded me a lot of some of the things that you write about. I think that you you really negate this in a lot of ways. You talk about how you don't see divorce as a failure. Right. So yep. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. And we can look at it kind of oh. on this personal level and and what it means to make the decision to go through a divorce and what kind of judgment we might be putting on ourselves in that experience. Oy. There's a lot to unpack there. I can start um, with a quote from By the Way, Divorce is Not <laughs> Failure, which is another one okay, of your, right, your wonderful sure. articles. <laughs> so in this article, you were talking about divorce in your family and you had mentioned that your yeah. aunt was the first person in the family to get a divorce, but she didn't yeah. have kids. And when your parents got a divorce, your dad spent the rest of his grandmother's life telling her that your mom was at the grocery store or out at of the town. grocery store right? or not there. Yes. Well, I was raised in a really religious family mm-hmm. and, you know, divorce wasn't as common even when my parents got divorced. I mean, now over 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. Right. And one of the things I talked about in divorce is not a failure is that, you know, when so many other things in our life aren't working, we change them. You know, and we may try to change things within it. Like if your car is broken down, you may try to get it fixed. You may take it to the auto body shop. You know, if your job isn't working, you may try to switch your team members or do a different job for the same company, that sort of thing. But there are many instances in life where we have to learn how to let go and walk away and that it's actually healthier to do so or to choose change. But we haven't yet started seeing divorce quite that way, you know, and part of it relates to the whole fairy tale. I mean, we just had the Royal wedding and the whole fairy tale of all of that. Right. Right. And so we still kind of have that story in society, like the prince and the princess on top of the cake. And there's not a lot of discussion about, you know, now what afterwards, and it's still somewhat, and I don't like this presented as a goal in life to get married. You know, it's not a goal. It's not something you work towards. Having a happy marriage can be a goal and you can work on that. But actually getting the ring on the finger and all of that, I mean, that's not an achievement, really. Right. And I think we need to start at that point of unpacking the idea of divorce as being a failure because we're placing so much pressure on this one life choice. It has to be perfect. I think what you were saying before about how if you have a job that's not working for you or a really shitty friend, like you're not going to keep those negative forces in your life. Like all of us are talking about surrounding yourselves with positivity and that's a wonderful thing. And I do think that there's something to be said that, you know, marriage, it's like two people who really make a plan together and this is what they're going to do and this is, this is how it's going to work. And, and so in that sense, it's, it is different than a friend or a job, but when people talk about, you know, saving the marriage and just kind of the way that, that we talk about it it gets to this point. It puts it on this pedestal. Right. And and it's like, there's the two people that make up the marriage and there's the marriage. And why would we ever put the marriage before the people? Exactly. And it seems like it gets to a place where people talk about it. Like, well, once you're in a marriage, 
you have to protect the marriage. But of course, you have to protect yourself. And and one of the things that you write a lot about is how it can be so hard when we lean into the stigma and there's a woman who's in an abusive marriage. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's already hard for her to leave, right? right. But then when you have this, it has to be perfect. You have to work at it or what have you. It can allow her to give in to the emotional abuse, you know, because she's going to internalize, well, this is my fault. What can I do to make him less angry or calm him down or what have you? And it can make it harder for her to speak out and ask and say to someone, this is happening and to name it. And what do I do now? And if, if we view it as a failure and especially in a weird way, you know, a lot of people will ask, with some of the recent outings of men who've been abusive or what have you, sexual harassment, right. all that. Well, these are really powerful women. These were women who were educated and had great careers. Exactly. Yeah. They're type A women. They're women who've always been able to fix something. Women who've always been able to bring their intelligence to bear and fix the problem and aren't used to being a failure. And so if we present a relationship to them as success or failure – rather than healthy or unhealthy. It's just so much pressure to succeed, but how can we possibly create a situation where success means allowing yourself to be abused? Exactly. But then if they have such an idea of self, because I did, that I am the strong, confident woman, I'm educated, blah, blah, blah. It can be almost even harder, I think, for them to admit I'm being abused. Right. You know, I, I have to end this. And no, I'm going to read a book and I'm going to take him to counseling and I'm going to point out to him what he's doing. And I did all of that. (laughs) We went to marriage counseling twice, Mm -hmm. you know, and that until I was finally like, I can't make this fix. I can't fix it. I cannot fix this other person. I think that's, that's kind of a piece of what seems so odd to me, the way that our society talks about marriage that, you know, there's the people and the pieces that make up the relationship. And when Mm -hmm. we say saving our marriage, we're not really saying anything. I mean, what are we saving? Right. Like, (laughs) well, or, you know, address whatever the challenge is. Like, is it infidelity? Is it abuse? Mm -hmm. Is it you're no longer able to communicate? Is it that one person totally outgrew the other person? If you want to save a marriage and make it work, you know, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Go for it. But to act like the marriage is above all of the issues that create the need to get out of a marriage, I just don't see the logic behind that. And I have friends that have worked through infidelity. Mm-hmm. And I have friends that have dealt with issues like that and have stayed together mm-hmm. and whose marriage is stronger. But it's not about saving the marriage. It's what's still healthy between the two people. Right. And can you, and you talked earlier about, you know, you get married and you have a same plan. Well, sometimes you can discover with great surprise that the plan you thought you'd agreed upon, your partner does not agree with at all. Yeah. And you can end up, you know, like, oh, wow. You know, people say the person I married is completely different. Well, sometimes that does happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you do grow, you do change, you know, and it's funny. I have a friend who's divorced and got married, told her husband, I don't want kids and was adamant about it. Do not want kids. Do not want kids. Do not want kids. He knew this. She hit 30 
And he literally looked at her and was like, okay, let's have kids now. And she, she, what? I, I was always oh, upset no. about this. Yeah. He assumed she'd change her mind. He said, well, but biological clock. I mean, so he, he entered this marriage basically with an assumption about a huge aspect of a relationship. Right completely false, never told her like, Oh, I just figured you'd change your mind. I was waiting for you to change your mind. And then he got mad at her when she didn't. And what happened? Did they, they, they split up yeah. because she was like, I don't want children. And she had very good reasons for health reasons and other, other things I, you know, a betrayal of privacy to mention. But also like, she doesn't need to give reasons. She's entitled to make that exactly. choice. And she had been upfront about it from the beginning. Right, he was right. the one who had not been upfront with her. What I love so much about that story, I mean, I don't love that they had a life together that then fell apart because they did, right. you know, <laughs> decide to build a life together and and this ended up being an issue. And then she was faced with the decision to choose whether or not to go with the vows that she made to him or the vows that she had made to herself. And I think that takes a lot of bravery and it's something that I want to be able to celebrate for people because you are at least as important as your marriage is and your Mm -hmm. life is your life and a marriage is a part of your life, but your marriage shouldn't be bigger than your life. No, it's a part of it. It is a very important part. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And you can change throughout marriage. You know, I've written about how my boyfriend and how I've learned about communication with him and how we, how having a fight with him was actually quite good because right. <laughs> I was speaking up for myself. You know, in a good relationship, you, le- you are learning from one another and you do change. And so I don't think that it should remain static. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have that change in a relationship, but in a bad relationship, you end up sacrificing parts of yourself, like you said, to keep this institution of marriage alive. Right. Like, I've always been a writer. I start, I wrote my first novel when I was in third grade. It was uh. very bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was 90 pages long, and it was awful. Oh, my God. I still have a copy, and I will burn it before I die because I don't want anyone to ever read it. <laughs> but I mean, my writing had been everything to me. And yet slowly throughout my marriage, I gave that up because there wasn't time for it. It wasn't a priority for him. I didn't know how to make it a priority. I wasn't selling my work as much. So, you know, he would kind of make little denigrating comments like, oh, I don't even know why you're bothering to try to write that. It's not like it's going <sighs> to sell, you know. And for me, my writing has never really been about selling. It's a form of expression. It's a part of who I am. Don't get me wrong. I like getting paid. (laughs) And then he'd be like, well, you should write about this. This is the best selling topic. And so I was writing to please him rather than myself. Wow. You know, and that was a part of myself that ended up getting sacrificed so much to the point where I realized, you know, There's changing for your partner in a good way, in growing and becoming a better person. And then there's the slow carving off of pieces of yourself until you just don't recognize who you are anymore. And that's when it needs to end. Right. I totally agree with that. And obviously, not all marriage is going to get to that place. And I I would hate for anybody to think that you know, we're saying that marriage is bad, but when a marriage is bad, nobody should feel afraid of divorce and afraid of what people are going to say about them. 
Exactly. I think women should be supported in that decision. And I think that, you know, again, it shouldn't be treated like something shameful. It is kind of normal at this point. Right. Part of my job is is going through the comments that people are leaving on your articles. And so every day I see, and no, it's good. Every day I see people saying, oh my God, this is exactly my experience. Oh my God. It's like, she's writing about my life. I loved this article. It's spot on. And when I think about, you know, the, the story that you just told about how you were writing things that he was comfortable with instead of sharing your own voice. And I think about how special your voice is and how it was stifled. I mean, thank God there's an out that it wasn't always like that. And I'm happy for you that your life gets to be more open, but also for all of our audience and all of the people who read your stuff in other places, because sharing your experience, I think really does help a lot of people. And that can be bigger than a marriage too, right? Like there are a lot of important things in this narrative. And, and it's just important, I think, to give room for situations to be unique and give room for people to pursue the best life possible, whether or not that includes a marriage. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about what happens after the divorce. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. Okay, we are back with Dina. We talked a lot about the stigma around the decision to end a marriage and and just divorce on a whole. And now I want to talk a little bit about the stigma that single moms face and what it's like when you're out there, you're working, you're part of society, and it's not so easy. Am I right? Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this happened just a few years ago in 2014. A representative from Texas went on the House floor and he said that single moms are basically ruining our society. He talks about when he was a judge back in Texas He says, I heard the story over and over and over how as a young girl in high school, she was bored with high school and someone suggested, well, why don't you just drop out of high school and have a baby and then the government will send you a check. And (laughs) that's something that four years ago, somebody felt comfortable saying, you know, where, where it all happens in our government. And so when you think about these are the people who are voting on parental leave and all different kinds of ways that women are helped by the government who who are on their own supporting their kids. I mean, that's pretty crazy that that's the environment that they're creating. Yeah, that's just, I'm trying to look up statistics, but I'm like, I know that there is this weird stigma, but that the majority of single moms are actually white, frankly, you know, and divorced moms for sure. And that they support themselves. And, you know, I think that the stigma really gets down to, and this is 
going to sound funny. Our society is evolving. It's changing. And men's roles are changing. Right. You know, women are, I know this for a fact, the primary breadwinner in over 40% of households in the United States. Right. And fast approaching 50%. So the days of the man bringing home the bacon are pretty much gone. They've been gone for a while. Right. And I think most of us need two incomes to survive. But I think that some men, particularly conservative men, like the congressperson you mentioned, are really struggling with that because they have rooted so much of their identity in I bring home the bacon and in traditional gender roles that they're very threatened by a world where women are like, I can pay my bills, but I need emotional support from you, or I need you to help clean, and I need you to help with the childcare and some of the quote-unquote soft skills that they themselves, the men, have discounted as not being worth anything. And now women are saying, no, this is what I really want from you. Well, and you know, another thing that's surprising along those same lines is that single mom households, so like a, a family where it's a single mom running the house, it's the yeah. second most common household arrangement in the United States, and it's 23% of homes. So when you okay. think about the way that that kind of speech can happen, or like, I also have this quote, and to be fair, this is from a while ago, but it's from somebody who's still pretty active in government. Yeah. Rick Santorum said, most people agree a continuation of the current system will be a ruination of this country. We are seeing it. We are seeing the fabric of this country fall apart. And it's falling apart because of single moms. That's something he said into a microphone. If we had that much power, we wouldn't be, you know, struggling to figure out how to find babysitters and all. I mean, that's just utterly ridiculous. I just can't understand how we're going to say that 23% of American families and households are are tearing at the fabric. I mean, we are American society. What are you talking about? Well, and I mean, like it's yeah, what I was saying earlier. We've always been here. I yeah. mean, who do you think was raising the kids while the husband was off working? Right. You know, you go you want to go way back. Norway, my great grandmother, my family were they were fishermen. The men were out on the boats for months at a time. Who's raising the kids? Who's managing the household? You know, who's taking care of everything? They are in effect single moms for long periods of history. Right. We've been doing this. We've been doing this for a while. We got this. I love that perspective. And I think that, you know, I even just I just looked it up, but like 58% of single moms have attended college or have at least a bachelor's degree. So can we stop with this whole like high school dropout to get right. a check from the government? That's utterly ridiculous. And maybe the answer to that, his complaint, is giving kids opportunities and providing them a better education so they can see a world for themselves outside of high school. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's a cop-out. You know, you hold us up as a straw man argument, like single moms are ruining everything and you don't have to actually go fix anything. You don't have to look at parental leave policies. You don't have to look at job creation. You don't have to look at access to education, particularly for people coming from a lower income background. You can just hold us up and be like, oh, single moms, and everybody's going to jump on that bandwagon and and nod their head and, oh, yes, they're so terrible. I mean, we get get it done. Right. I mean, I have a a number here that I think – 
this might blow your mind. But basically, families that are headed by a single mother are 14.3% more likely to be poor than other families. And there's been studies about why that's the case. And, you know, you were just talking about how I think you said 58% of single moms have a college degree. And Mm -hmm. okay, so like we're not going to even entertain this idea that there's something holding single moms back. Obviously, single moms have a set of challenges on their plate that maybe other people don't. But like I am paying very close attention to what's going on with single moms in America. And I can tell you that these women are warriors. They are killing it when I feel like I need inspiration. I think about single moms and how it's like, (laughs) I know, I know that every day you guys are feeling like, how am I going to get this done? And then you get Mm -hmm. it done. It might feel like it's impossible, but you are handling it every day, every day. And it's really, I mean, it's an amazing thing. So we have this number that single moms in the States are 14.3% more likely to be poor than families who have two parents, but in other rich democracies, they don't have that. That is because we have politicians who think that it's okay to say single moms are tearing apart the fabric of our society based on nothing and then not providing single moms with the kind of care that they need. I mean, in all these other countries, they have policies like subsidized child care, they have right. health care for children, and they have paid parental leave that we mm-hmm. don't have in our society. And so whatever your politics are, the government is going to put money in places to invest in the citizens. And in the United States, like this is just part of the stigma. There's not a lot of politicians out there who are speaking up for single moms and investing in them. And they should because there's no other group of people in the entire world who have as much perseverance and strength in a pinky. I mean, single moms are amazing. (laughs) I just don't under Like, they can do anything. We're ultra organized. We get shit done. We start businesses. We manage to pull things out of our asses. I mean, it's like, okay, how, like you said, how am I going to do this? I don't know, but I'm going to get it done. Yeah. You know, but you're right. I haven't heard any politician be like, oh, we need to make it easier for single moms or we need to support them in starting these businesses or what have you. And in fact, a lot of women who started businesses as single moms did so because they didn't get any support in the normal corporate workforce. Because they were like, I can't make this work with my life. I'm going to have to go out and do something just for me. You know, because we don't have that parental leave. And because we have this idea that, you know, you have to work 60 hours a week to get ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, how the hell am I going to do that? Like, who's going to watch my kid? You know, and to climb the corporate ladder, you have to basically have no life outside of it. You know, or you have to be a man with a wife willing to take on everything at the household level and with the children. It's not easy. I think like the silver lining in all of this is that it is 2018 and <laughs> crazy. <laughs> we're starting to see, you know, single moms are starting to run for office. This is something that's happening across the United mm-hmm. States. And the yeah. way that we talk about all of this stuff is really changing and you know, office environments are changing too. 
So do you think that like the cultural climate where female empowerment and gender equality is something that people are talking about a lot more? Do you think that has reached single moms? Not yet. I mean, I think cultural change is sometimes swift and abrupt, but also sometimes slow. And like you said, you know, that quote was only from 2014. That's only four years ago. I think it depends on where you live. I think it depends on a very complicated set of factors, like how in demand you are for the job that you do. You know, if they really, really need you and you're a single mom, they're going to work with you, you know, to make it work with your schedule. But if you're less in demand, you may struggle more with that. You know, so I hope it trickles down to single moms and I hope that they're seen as much more an accepted part of society. But again, it does get back to not seeing divorce as a failure, this huge stigma. Right. But I do think there's some pushback. You know, I mean, a lot of these corporations are still run by old white men and they're still run by people that are like, well, why should we put money in that? Or just disconnected. You know, maybe they haven't had enough exposure to some of the kick-ass single moms that I am listening to every day. So that could be part of it too. You know, they don't realize, like I wrote that one piece about how, why you should hire a single mom and everything we can bring to the table. It's like, they don't look at it from that perspective. That's such a good article. That's such a good one. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But it was fun to write. It's like, Hey, you know, just because I can't work until 8 PM doesn't mean I can't get stuff done for you. I mean, I have worked with some men who wasted so much time in the office. Oh my gosh. If you added yeah. up the hours, like totally talking about Game of Thrones and all of this. <laughs> and it's like, and oh yeah, they're working till eight because they wasted four hours of the day. <laughs> and I get in there and it's like, I got to get my kid from daycare by five. Like on it a hundred. On it. All yes, day. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we spoke a little bit before we uh, started recording about TV shows, and I know you said you're not a big TV watcher, but one of the things that I've seen is that divorces is like way, way more visible on TV right Mm. now. And there's some really amazing TV shows that are talking about it. I think The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is probably the best one, in my opinion, because she's just the coolest and it's so funny and smart. (laughs) But there's a lot, you know, there's Blackish just did a whole plot line where the parents who have had this really adorable relationship and they're kind of opposites who attract, they've been very happily married until like three episodes ago, all of a sudden they took us on a a really tough turn. And then it was like a whole three episode arc of their marriage falling apart. And they got separate homes and they were like moving towards divorce. And then her father died and they ended up getting back together. And there's another show called Splitting Up Together, which is a story about a couple that gets divorced, but they're staying in the same house and they're friends and they're really on good terms. But it kind of feels like they're getting back together too. But I don't like that because we're talking about it, but then it's like, it's it's the parent trap all over again. We can't fully commit. (laughs) Right. It's like the writers are ready to talk about it, but they're not like getting full permission to go all in. (laughs) There's not enough examples of divorce being the happy ending for anybody who's gone through a divorce and is taking their clues from society about what that's like. When you see these stories, when you hear and think about what's going on in our government and like how really nobody talks about single moms, but you think about how many there are and how unless they're blaming us for something. Right. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you know, there's, there aren't, 
that many advocates. And that's that's one of the things that this podcast, I think, was created to address those issues and to try and say, you know what, like divorce can be part of your happy ending. And it's an opportunity Absolutely. to give yourself a new chapter that's bright Better. and wonderful and what you deserve. Well, and for me, I mean, I'm really happy with the person I am today. I'm yeah. completely different. I mean, all of the core of a lot of who I am, my love of writing and my compassion, the people I care about, that's still there. But I'm so much stronger. Mm-hmm. I know my boundaries. I'm so much better at articulating what I need, what I want out of life. And I feel like I came out of marriage a better person, you know, after doing the work in therapy. I mean, it wasn't like the day after divorce, the papers were final. I mean, it takes some time sometimes. I actually, I have a a piece from an article. This is actually, I don't know if you know this. This isn't just your most popular article on Worthy. This is one of the most popular articles ever on Worthy. This is the truth about falling in love after divorce. And we're definitely going to put this one on worthy.com slash podcast. You guys are going to love this one. So here's what you wrote. Part of the stigma surrounding divorce and those who view it as a failure is the idea that divorced couples treated their marriage cavalierly that they should have worked harder, gone to more therapy, or just sucked it up. These assumptions are not only insulting, they so often place the burden of that work on a woman's shoulders. What it does mean is that I know I can survive without a man in my life. I know that I can leave if he becomes abusive. I know my own strength and have a calm certainty in it. Yes, I'm divorced, but if anything, my divorce has taught me the value of relationships. Yeah. And you talk about, in this article, you talk about how like, okay, I know my deal breakers. I know where the line is. I know what my boundaries are. And I know that stepping outside of it, I'm going to be okay. And I think, you know, that is the most powerful sentiment that I hope is if there's one takeaway from this episode, I hope that people feel that from you and that they know that they can take that with them. And I think it's such an amazing example of a, a happy ending after a divorce. Thank you. <laughs> I think that a lot of times when you get married, you get back, you know, that fairy tale thing. We don't talk about afterwards. Right. You know? And sometimes we don't discover our boundaries until they've been pushed, until mm-hmm. it's like, wow, that was not okay. Especially as women, we're often taught to make nice, to be pleasant, you know, to smooth things over. We're not often taught how to establish boundaries from everything from you have, you're forced to kiss your aunt at Christmas when you don't want to, (laughs) it's like to setting even boundaries around work. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving at six. I want to be there for my son's concert tonight and just walking out. If your boss looks pissed off at you, you know, which I've had to do. Um, I've been lucky. I've had some very supportive bosses and I've had some who were not supportive of the single mom experience. And you definitely learn to gauge that. Even to set boundaries around your boss, which Mm -hmm. sounds strange, but there it is. But yeah, I think that it is an experience that you can take with you into the next relationship and really create something great. You know, if you didn't learn a lot of that before you entered a marriage and some of us just don't have the opportunity you can walk out of it a different and better person and really create something the next time that hopefully sticks, but also gives you those needs that you've learned to identify in yourself and meets them 
And you can also meet someone else's needs better because you learn how to ask. Like I asked, it was really funny. On one of our first dates with my new boyfriend, I was like, well, what's your love language? <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> and the funny thing is, is he's a therapist. And I'm like, you've never heard of Oh love my language? gosh. I know. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, here's a little quiz and I want you to take it. I'm like, I need to know how to like communicate love to you. Yeah. But it is things like that. You do. You do a lot more work. You read the books. You read the self-help stuff, the pop psychology that does have value, I think. Absolutely. And you can you can approach your next relationship much more intentionally. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. That, you know, divorce is, it is the end of one chapter, but it's the beginning of a new one. And it can be bright and wonderful and the life that you really deserve. So I want to thank you so much for being with us. This was an important conversation and I'm glad that we got to share it together and I'm really looking forward to having you back again soon. (laughs) Thank you. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Thanks again to Dina for joining us and to all of you for listening. If you are committed to living your best life after divorce, you are not going to want to miss next week's episode. Jennifer Giama will be on talking about Fresh Start Fitness, a five-step wellness program to help you heal and thrive after divorce. Jen created this program just for you based on her own very public and very painful divorce. So make sure you tune in to hear all about it and then sign up and participate in Fresh Start Fitness. You know that we want to help you embrace your fresh start and Jen is the perfect guide. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more.